Hey everyone and welcome to the episode 24 of the e-learning guys. My name is Nate Jorga Dulmin and as always I'm joined by Mr. David Charney. Hello Nate, hello everyone. Hello sir. How are ya? Ah, busy and we had a ton of snow. Tons of snow, ton of snow, but now it's going away, it's getting really warm and we have a bunch of projects and personal projects, so you know, busy times, but it's fun. And you? Uh, yep, pretty much the same. Uh, looking forward to the springtime. Oh yeah, very much. I'm so, I'm so happy that the, the winter is going away. You know where I was? <laughs> I know you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I had, a, I had a chance to visit London and uh, visit the Learning Technologies UK. And actually, I was invited by my uh, partner, Ant Pew, who I've been working with for over two years online, but we never met. So this was a great opportunity. Uh, and he's running Video Bytes, so just uh, creating software training for companies. Maybe just a small plug there, because uh, he's a great guy. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so that was awesome, meeting him, having some beers. At the exhibition, of course, I had to I had to search for the articulate stand, and I did find it. So I had the chance to say hello to David Anderson, Tom Kuhlman, and also the there were some support girls there. Uh, one was Nicole Ligot Ligolt. I have no idea how to pronounce that. Mm-hmm. I've met Nicole. Yeah, yeah, and also Alison. Uh, whose surname I cannot remember at the moment. So it was great just to, to, to talk to them and you know discuss storyline and what's going on. Uh, and yeah, it, it, was, it was fantastic. Uh, other than that, the exhibition was at least, you know, for it's probably the same for you. I'm not really super interested in LMSs because uh, maybe that's more more of a topic for an organization of some sort, or maybe a bigger e-learning company. But for me, it was, it was just so many LMSs. I it was, I had a feeling it was just LMSs that that was it <laughs> and, and articulate, you know, but right. um, yeah, I mean, of course there are some services also and go to, let's say, go to animate. We had a chance to speak to, to those guys and they are doing a really nice update in like I think should be out by May something like that so they are ditching Flash uh, which is wonderful Uh, so it's a new HTML5 version coming out and also they're changing the characters because if you remember the characters they were all like uh, really tall and skinny you know with those skinny toothpick legs Uh, but I saw the new characters and they look much more to my eyes they look better so that's something I'll keep keep in mind for for next projects. I'll definitely take a look at, at GoAnimate when it uh, when they update their things. Yeah, so yeah, that was fun. It was just two days, basically forty eight hours, because I flew one day. Uh, so one day I was in London, and I, then I flew the third day back, and flew from basically sunny London, which was super lucky, into snowy, snowy Slovenia. It was crazy. I mean the 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 airport was in snow, everything was in snow, and then I had to drive like two hours to our friend's place, which is even longer than our home, so that was fun. Uh, anyway, other than me flying around, also emails are flying around, and we got one, 
from a from a Brian. Uh, he actually, I think, he sent it like twice or thrice, uh, but I was sort of ignoring it because it was a bit of a marketing thing. Uh, basically, he 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 wrote that he saw that we mentioned Pexels, you know, Pexels, Pixels, the free stock image site. Mm-hmm. So he said, "Yeah, I saw you mentioning this. Here's a we we did a like a whole collection of free stock images. So we're gonna share this link." It's on the whoishostingthis.com website. We're kind of we're gonna have a link in the show notes so you can go there and get your free images. Can, can I say real quick? I love your transition from flying around to emails flying around. I just I had to say that was a, a fine transition. Why? Thank you, sir. I try. I try. <laughs> now can you do it again? <laughs> <laughs> and also, the articulate people are trying, and we have new updates. <laughs> David, I got it. Yeah, that works. So yeah, and all, they also got it in November and we totally missed it. So Dave, please tell us about a, an update that was in November and that had one feature that you are craving, having pra- craving for for the last three years. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised I missed it. I mean, they came out with a number of things and they they have a whole website, maybe we can have it in the show note, notes, uh, that lists all these adjustments and things that were changed. But it's just a it's a simple thing that uh, I'm sure a lot of people have been wanting to be able to do for a long time, and that's paste in place. Until that November update, basically whenever you copied or pasted something, it would paste it slightly offset. And uh, now you can you know copy what you need and hit, I think it's Control-Shift-D, and mm-hmm. it will paste in the exact same spot, which uh, sounds like a simple thing, but it... it can add up from a time perspective uh, to uh, allow you to get things done a lot faster. Yeah, but I would just like to add that you said it. it usually it pastes like a few pixels down and right. Uh, but that, that only happens if the copied object is on that slide, right? If you go to another slide and paste it there, it will be in place. That's true, yeah. It is just if, the, if you're copying and pasting over an object that is already in the scene. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Any shortcut, it's fantastic. Another update was just a few days ago, right? I think it was Friday when you had some trouble and I said, y- yes. update. <laughs> and you said, I updated on Tuesday. <laughs> I know, I updated on Thursday. And uh, you're like, there's an update. Uh, I'm like, I did that. And you're like, it's Friday. <laughs> oh, <laughs> update again. Yeah, so one of the fixes, th- this was a small update, but one of the fixes mentioned was uh, that sound sometimes in HTML5 didn't play uh, on, when timeline starts. Um, or even if you even if you have a slight delay, it, does, it, didn't, it didn't work. Uh, and I had this issue with another project where I had a voice voiceover and a video. And because the client wanted to change the voiceovers for other for other languages, you know, they, they wanted to keep the separate, the video in one track and audio in another track. And it just didn't work. It didn't and didn't work if I had the video there. Or maybe one slide out of nine worked, you know, which there's just a crazy witch hunt of what is happening here. So my solution was just to embed the audio in the video itself, and then it worked. Um, so I'm really happy that this is supposedly fixed. And you told me also that you had the, basically the same issue. 
Uh, we did. Uh, I don't know if I'd be interested to go back to that couple of those projects that we were running into that yeah. with and republish and see if that's fixed now. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. but it's uh, you know that's certainly the problem that we were having, and so hopefully they've got that uh, fixed up now. Me too. I have a tip for you, Dave. Yeah, shoot. It's a storyline tip, as you as you probably have guessed. It's about using variables, but not as an empty variable that user will fill in, but as a already populated number. For example, because this is my example which I had in a in a project. The problem was the no no no. I shouldn't say the problem. the The challenge was that the client wanted to have scoring done. So if user answers all the quizzes correctly, all the quiz questions correctly, they have 100%. And this is the same kind of calculations that are going to be made over different courses. But the same, the same rule applies. However, however many questions user has, if they answer every question correct, they have 100% at the end. Okay, got it? Got it. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so uh, I knew it, it from the start that, okay, I have to use some sort of variable because I don't want to keep, uh, you know, adding up, okay, I have six questions, which means if this is 100%, 100% divided six and da, 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 and have the number and maybe even the number wouldn't add up to exactly 100 and so on. So I went the other way around. I had a variable called score per question, and the default value was 100. And on the first slide, the first trigger was that I divided that variable, the 100, by the number of questions I had in a course, you know. So immediately I got the correct number that was assigned to every correct answer, you know. So and there was some there was even then actually the, the, it it goes further because I had to have one third of the points should be deducted if user answers incorrectly and so on so I had uh, more dividing things but the main thing was this that I had a number 100 I divided it by the number of questions and then I got my number and it, it was a variable and I didn't have to worry about it and I put it in the correct feedback layer in the master slide and I never touched it again you know and I think I did like five courses like this and it's super easy just to change the you just count how many questions you have you change the number boom done and it's all correct and even you know with all the decimals that are working in the background at the end it's always 100% you know it's not Mm 99.97 it's 100 so it works it works great that's great that's a nice, uh, nice uh, reverse way to handle it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Also, the client, which is basically before the client sees it, another guy that's not super storyline guy uh, has a look because he he does some maybe text changes, so I don't have to do that. And he's very happy every time I I have a like a simple solution because I prepared it like that. Because otherwise, you know, you, otherwise you're just making future self. Uh, regret things, you know. So, <laughs> right. That's always that's always <laughs> a good thing not to do. Um, right. <laughs> so, tell me about previewing and publishing. 
Yeah, it was just a, this a, a problem I ran into, and I figured out a way around it, and I thought I'd mention it in case someone else runs into it. Uh, basically, uh, and to be honest, I think I've run into it before, and I, 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 I don't remember resolving it, but um, I was in a situation where I was working on a project, I'd preview, I'd publish, everything was fine, but then suddenly... Not so fine anymore. The the little preview uh, or the little loader kept spinning and spinning and spinning. Whether I previewed it or published it, it would only spin. Yeah. I couldn't do anything about it. Uh, and what ultimately I tried to do, or what I did do, is I uh, I started deleting scenes one by one and kept trying it, and eventually it started working again. So I undid, I went mm-hmm. to that scene, and I started to delete slides. And one by one, I would delete them until it starts working again. Uh, and then I undid that, and uh, that's really all I had to do. It started working again fine after that. So there must have been some something about that slide, whether it was something I put in it or just some, some way that it manages programmatically mm-hmm. the information of that slide. Something got goofy under the hood, and by um, kind of tracking it down, removing the slide and undoing it, it it somehow corrected it. So if you do run into that, because it's definitely a showstopper if you can't preview or publish, uh, might be yeah. a, a, way, a way around that problem. Yeah, yeah. Had the same thing with the publishing thing, you know, with a 12 languages course. Also, it was the same, the same thing. Just keep deleting until things change and try and test. And <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there is an object that you can click, but it seems like it's not selected. So I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> the thing I'm talking about is m- maybe, and I saw this with like years ago, someone had a project and there was an object there. And I, when I clicked it, I think I, I saw it was selected in the timeline because you see which project, uh, which object is selected. But there was just no, there was no handlebars. I could not, you know, you can't resize it. You, you can't do anything. You can just click and move it around. But it's so strange because you, you feel like the object is not selected. So what's happening here is that if you have an object and you create a new state, so let's say it's crazy state, let's call it crazy state. And in that crazy state, you insert another object, uh, maybe a circle. Then you delete the original object and you say, and you only keep the circle, uh, and you say the initial state is, you know, this our crazy state, so you only see the circle. At that point, you know, I guess Storyline handles these objects differently than the original one, so when you click on it, it, it looks like it's not selected, however it is, but because the original object is deleted, some strange things are going on. So maybe just, I'm just trying to throw this out there, because... Maybe you'll run into this thing and it's going to look super weird. But if you're aware of this, you know, this situation that this can exist and you can easily fix it or just know what's going on. And uh, yeah, just comes handy to know these things. Yeah, good to know. Especially when you, you're uh, actually any of these things, because usually they come up about 10 minutes before uh, a client needs a course. So uh, good to know. uh some uh, problem-solving solutions uh, before you need them. (laughs) That is true. That is true. Yeah, it's just before publishing, like always. Mm -hmm. Now, we have an Ask the Learning Guys question. And Dave, what is it? 
So how do you add feedback per answer in a multiple choice question? You know, basically, how do you have unique feedback text or audio based on like whatever choice that they select on a multiple choice question? It's a pretty common request. Um, so I've been asked this by a number of people lately, and I thought I'd kind of talk about how you can handle this because it's actually very easy to do, but it's a very easy to miss option in Storyline. Uh, if you're using Storyline's multiple choice graded question slide, uh, you can click on form view. You know, you'll have kind of two options there kind of in the top right, uh, which is form view or uh, slide view. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you can do then is you can jump way over uh, to your left when you're in form view. Actually, you can do it either way, but in, you'll want to be in form view to be able to type in your uh, your feedback. And you'll see on your left, kind of the top left, feedback by question. Basically, this is saying that the feedback is going to be uh, the same no matter what, how you answer or your, how your learner answers. You're just going to get the same feedback each time without getting really creative with a bunch of triggers and all sorts of complicated things. Um, and this is the default, but you can go up there, you can sort of drop down, click on that, and you can choose feedback by choice. So what you'll see now is you'll see a little more button after each answer choice that you have in that form view. You can click that, and you've got a lot of options now. You can type in, click on each of those more buttons, type in whatever text you want. That'll be the feedback that shows up. Uh, or forget about text. You could add a little audio clip that plays after uh, you hit submit. Uh, all custom. You could have, if you've got four answers, you could have four different audio clips that play. Uh, and also there's another little neat feature there. You can basically set the slide that you want uh, storyline to go to when you hit continue. So let's say you, mm-hmm. let's say your user clicks the wrong button or clicks the wrong answer, and they hit submit, and you give them a, a little bit of feedback. When they hit continue, you could take them back to, for instance, some other page they've been to, or maybe you've got a custom page where you can kind of reiterate information or explain that information better. So there's a lot you can do to create really custom feedback uh, per answer on a um, on a slide like that. Yep, that's awesome. This basically you can do some sort of branching. Yeah, you really can kind of branch out from there and uh, you know allow someone to really, uh, you know, e- even a multiple choice question, it's still about learning. So if they're wrong, help them to learn, you know, so you can easily yeah. Yeah. get them somewhere where they can find out more information if they need it. I do concur. And now we're jumping to our main topic, which is newbie mistakes. We're still continuing this, well, topic. Uh, we started it before this episode, and we're going to do a few in this episode and more in the future. And Dave, tell us about using master slides. What are master slides? Why, why, why would I use them? Well, uh, there's a lot of reasons to use master slides. <laughs> I'll cover a couple here. Uh, first off, uh, there's one master slide that I think a lot of people forget about, and that's the feedback master slide. Uh, and... This happens, I I hear a lot of people, actually I see a lot of projects rather, where someone has put some time into the look and feel of a project, but when you click through a multiple choice question or some sort of interaction and you get some feedback on that, it's the standard default gray kind of background uh, box, uh, which doesn't look at all like the rest of the course. And I've talked to a few people and it seems that that is because they don't know you can change how that looks. So what you can do Uh, is you can uh, very easily go up to uh, view and hit feedback master and you will see 
the mm-hmm. feedback master uh, that default gray box because if you try to if whenever you create a slide using some of Storyline's kind of custom uh, or built-in uh, tools, it will automatically create a uh, what do you call it correct and incorrect layer and. Uh, I think a lot of people realize that when they click on the background in that layer, nothing happens. You can't actually change it in there. So by clicking on that view feedback master, you're going to see that box. You can click on it. You can change its color. You can do anything you can normally do to an object on a slide. And you can really kind of continue to make that feedback look like the rest of your course. Yeah, using feedback masters is, is great. Like I mentioned before, I had the scores for the variables, you know, the trigger was in the master uh, feedback layer, and I, I had no worries. I just knew it, it's there, and if I had to fix it, you, you know, you have just one one place to go and fix it, and, you know, it's applied on, like, 10 slides, probably. Yeah, that is nice. Saves you a lot of time and energy, and especially if you have to fix things. And that goes into the, the normal master slide as well, Uh I, I still see a lot of people who they might build in a header or have a drop-down menu or something like that at the top or somewhere on their on their course. And I've seen anywhere from those jumping around a little bit uh, where you'll, you know, you'll click slide by slide and there might be some little inconsistencies and things are a little yeah. bit off by the pixel <laughs> yeah. or, um, or the functionality is slightly different or... Um, something changes and they have to go back and they have to edit every single screen, that's a, a great reason to go to the master slide. Um, yeah. Again, click view, master slide, and um, you can do quite a lot with this, but we're, we won't get into the detail here. But you could easily create a, a little bar at the top of your uh, course, and if you put it in the master slide, it's going to be there on every slide. Um, you can certainly... Uh, kind of link different master slides to different uh, slides that you're working on. But for our conversation here, uh, if you create it in in your master slides, you're going to see it on all your slides. You can create a layer, uh, same as you would on any regular slide. And you could put, for instance, a drop-down menu in there. Uh, Layers always pop up over everything else. So even though it's a master slide and you think, oh, that's going to be behind everything, your layers will be on top of things. Uh, mm-hmm. We could probably have a whole uh, a whole podcast on how that works because there's uh, that could certainly open you up to some uh, some issues. Yeah, for the most part, that works very well. To add a simple drop down menu, suddenly it'll be available in all your courses or in all mm-hmm. your slides. Rather, uh, it's just a nice thing to consider is to use those master slides whenever uh, you've got a, a a lot of things that need to be across multiple slides. Uh, and I, I, like you said, we could do a whole show, but maybe let me just add one small tip if you're just, if you're new to, to master slides. Um, the thing is that when you're working on a normal slide and you want to invoke something from a master slide layer, for example, like let's say you, you just want to show the layer because that's where your master slide menu is. The only way basically to do that is via a variable. Because uh, there is no direct trigger that would say open a layer that is in a master slide. The only thing you can do is say menu open variable equals true. And then you have triggers on your master slide that say if the variable changes to true, show the layer menu. So 
just keep that in mind that there's not like an easy way to show things from the master slide. As, I mean, um, things that are in a layer basically, because other things are going to be on the slide already. But, and you need to use a variable because basically there's no other like connection. Like the, the variable is your lifeline between a slide and the master slide. So just throwing it out there. Yeah, that's a good thing to uh, call out. Yeah, if, if things things can show up over that header, uh, unless you get a little bit of, uh, a, a little creative, uh, or I think you and I have talked about it before, or you might have a course where having things come in from the right or left is a uh, you know is, is still adds a lot to the user experience, and you don't overlap yeah. the header. That's another way around it. So there's you know a number yeah. of different approaches you could take. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But pro- yeah, we probably we should we should do a show. We just need some some extra notes so we're not just pulling things out of our heads. Haha, <laughs> I didn't say what you thought I was going to say. Um so, I have um I have another thing I saw and it basically and it wasn't a, really a newbie. I mean the the guy had a nice nice slides. The thing was that I was sick and someone took over for me and then I took over from him. And there was a thing that I saw many people do, and especially newer developers, that they have an object, maybe it's a button, and then they have some text in in that object. But it's not text inside the objects. It's a text box inside a normal state of the rectangle. And it doesn't make any sense because you're just adding extra steps to how things are going to be, you know, uh, changed and edited and so on. So every time I had to change the color of the fonts, I had to go edit the the state. I had to click on the object in text box and then change the text. So I always use the the text that you can already have in the object itself. That's the most handy way to do it. You know, you can easily change settings. It's easier to work um throughout many states like selected and so on uh and if it's if that's a separate object is it's just annoying and it causes problems so for me and i think that's best practice is just to have the text inside the actual object you are working on don't use an extra text box unless there's a super special reason otherwise no do you concur sir I concur. I yeah, I do the same thing. If if unless you've got a very specific need to have text in the top left or top you know right corner or something that you can't do yeah. with the settings that are available, then you basically yeah make the box a text mm-hmm. box. Um, and uh, because yeah, if you want to animate things a certain way, you have to kind of group them now, and yes. it just gets messier. Well, there's no grouping because it's inside the state, inside the state anyway. But it's it's still messy. Oh, if you're inside the state, oh, I see. See, it, it, I try to do the same thing outside of a state as well. Um, you know, just whenever I can have the text in a box, whether I'm in a state or not, I uh, I try to do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he didn't have a group; he had a text box inside the normal state of the rectangle. You know, so that was. Not okay. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna. You're gonna get a call from uh, Articulate if you're doing that. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true. I almost got it once, but uh, luckily I was not at home. <laughs> and the last thing on our newbie mistakes list is syncing text with audio. Dave has uh, a tip, and maybe 
this is this is sort of a hidden thing almost if you're not careful you could be using storyline for a year and not see that yeah and and you know i i'm pretty sure we've talked about it before as well but i just i still see people trying to sync their text boxes with the audio so they they might have a bunch of bullets on screen and they'll actually create a number of text boxes for each bullet Mm -hmm. Uh, but you don't have to do that at all i basically if you've got a text box you've got a bunch of bullets uh bulleted text or paragraphs in there you can uh very easily use some uh yeah kind of hidden functionality and storyline uh you can go up to animation uh, which is kind of a tab at the top. You can click on that ribbon there. You'll see entrance animations. You can choose an animation type, you know, whatever it is, maybe uh, fade or whatever. Uh, and and then you'll see that there's a, an effect options box, which you can click and, and it'll drop down. By default, it is as one object. So basically it, it treats that as just, it, it'll animate it in as one object. but what, Yeah, the whole text box. The whole text box, yeah. And what you can do is you can choose by paragraph. So what it'll do is anywhere it's a paragraph or a bullet, it will automatically break that down. If you look now down in your, in your timeline, you'll see a tiny little uh, arrow next to your text box. And if you click mm-hmm. that, it'll expand out and you'll be able to see uh, each paragraph or bullet as its own little text box. Yeah. And now you can just very easily drag the in and outs of that text box uh, to uh, to wherever it needs to go under the um, under the right part of the audio. It's, it's very yeah. quick. It makes it very easy to kind of group, uh, to kind of collapse down again to your text box so you can keep working on other stuff. Yep. No, that, that that's a great uh, thing to, to use if, if needed, yeah. Otherwise, you're just you have a bunch of more objects on the screen. It's 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 harder to manage. Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen so many people that have the bullets, and they keep coming in with the audio, and they are slightly off. You know, where like one is like too far to the left, and it's like, well, how did they do that? You know, because you'd have to go out of your way to do that using yeah. this yeah. method, and this method will keep everything exactly where it should be, nice and consistently aligned. Um, it, it's basically just the, the only thing you can do is move the in and out points a little bit, and uh, you'll be in business by having your your text aligned with, uh, with the audio. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And now it's time to wrap up our episode 24. Thank you, Dave. Please tell us where can people find you? Uh, well, if you need custom uh, e-learning, you can go to Illumin Group at illumingroup.com. Uh, I I will be there. You will hear from me. Uh, if you want to check out a number of the videos I make on Storyline and e-learning and all sorts of things, uh, e-learning, you can check out uh, youtube.com slash e-learninglocker or go to elearninglocker.com. And I'm on Twitter, uh, Dave underscore Charney, C-H-A-R-N-E-Y. And how about you, Nate? Where can people find you? You can also find me on the interwebs. You can follow me on Twitter uh, under Nick N-E-J-C-D. You can add me on LinkedIn. I won't mention the website. It's still in progress. And uh, yeah, well, you can find find me quickly. That's really not a problem. Um, Take care, everyone, and see you in the next episode. Yep. Take care and happy learning. Did you ever watch QI, the British uh, show? I've, I have seen a number of episodes of it.
Okay, so at the end, uh, Stephen Fry always had a um, like a funny thing to close the show, and and I remember the one that was. Uh, um, and remember, if you go to the opera, the tenorists win. <laughs> <laughs>